This podcast is brought to you by Likeable Media. Likeable Media produces and distributes content across the social web for mid to large size brands. Visit them at likeable.com. Welcome to All the Social Ladies with CEO of Likeable Media, Carrie Kerpin. Now, Carrie Kerpin. So I feel like I should start this podcast by singing Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend because today I get to talk to Deborah Marquardt, who is the Chief Marketing Officer of the Diamond Producers Association. So this is a new association that started in 2016, and their mission is to protect and promote the integrity and reputation of diamonds and of the diamond industry. The thing that I was most fascinated with was how Deborah was able to help start a conversation shift around diamonds, going from kind of the traditional fairy tale to more authentic storytelling. Take a listen. Welcome, Deborah, to the show. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here. I'm so excited to talk to you today, of course, because diamonds are one of my best friends, at least anyway, and most of us, <laughs> I would think, as a, as a whole. But before we get into your role uh, involving diamonds, I would love to get into the story of your career and how you got your start. Well, thanks, Carrie. I, I'm not sure I can remember that far back. Goodness. Um, <laughs> but I think, I, you know, I really believe in the power of role models and, you know, if you can see it, you can be it. And I had some great role models growing up. My grandmother was a, uh, a journalist and a war correspondent during World War II. She's English. And I grew up with a lot of strong women who I think broke barriers and did things that scared them and thrived. So I can tell that story across a lot of women in my family, but my grandmother, Iris, was very formative for me growing up. And I always knew I wanted to be a writer and a storyteller. I think the way that that manifested itself was through actual reporting, actually being a journalist, and then really moving into being an editor and a storyteller through various media, whether that's video, digital, um, still print, and being a marketer uh, for brands and telling their stories, which led me into always that place where entertainment, media, and technology crossed over. And working for brands, everyone from PricewaterhouseCoopers and their entertainment practice to L'Oreal USA, where I spent 10 years working on beauty brands, to launching digital beauty brands at Time Inc., to moving into diamonds. And, you know, they saved the best for last. What can I tell you? <laughs> and so, I mean, you've been working in digital for a really long time. I know at L'Oreal you were working on, it's been, been many years. And so how have you seen the digital landscape for brands change over time? I mean, it's changed everything. I, I think, you know, I remember, I'm, I, and I can't remember what year it was, uh, but having that meeting or presentation at a national sales meeting where, uh, you know, I made the statement, you know, there, there isn't the marketing plan and the digital marketing plan. <laughs> there isn't the media plan and the digital media plan. Mm. It's all digital. You know, everything we do is digital. It's baked in. It's like ragu. It's in there. 
and you know, people, I can remember a time when people would say that you worked with at whatever company, well, you know, I don't understand digital. I don't, I don't do digital. And you would say, well, how many computers do you have? How many televisions do you have? You know, do you have a DVR? Do you, uh, you know, stream on your tablet? Uh, are you on Facebook? You know, you have all this digital in your life, yet you come to the office and you say you're not digital. Um, and there really isn't, I think now people have integrated it into their, into their beings much more than they did. And I think that's been a big change where you just sort of, digital isn't the other, it's the only. Right. So. And- I think people recognize that as it became more a part of their own daily lives. Like you said, it's, there was a lot of lack of confidence around, oh, I'm a marketer, but I don't understand digital or I don't, you know, I'm really not proficient in that space. And the reality is that as we all use it, we all start to become more proficient as consumers and therefore marketers as well. Yes, exactly. Absolutely. Particularly when you're consumer in consumer marketing, <laughs> you know, absolutely, you know, look at your own behavior and, that helps explain, you know, what these recommendations are. So talk to me about the Diamond Producers Association, what they do and what you do there. Well, the Diamond Producers Association um, was started in 2016, and it's an, an alliance of the world's seven leading diamond mining companies. And those are like the De Beers of the world. Yeah. Um, and, and then a lot of other great companies that you probably haven't heard of, um, but who together produce 80% of the world's diamonds, uh, rough diamonds. And, you know, I think people have grown up knowing the iconic campaign, A Diamond is Forever. And, um, you know, I think it was voted the greatest advertising campaign of all time. And um, De Beers, from its uh, size and its history, through a diamond is forever was a de facto category advertising um, for the diamond industry. Mm. Essentially their market dominance for so long and their investment ended up lifting the entire category of diamonds. And about 10 years ago, you know, the realities of the diamond industry have changed and they're still a very important player, obviously, but there are other players in other countries. I mean, I don't think people quite probably realize that, you know, Russia and Canada are, you know, leading diamond producing countries. Mm-hmm. It's not just a Southern African phenomenon. Um, Australia is a major diamond producing country. The dynamics have changed. And in those intervening years, category marketing for diamonds really became non-existent. And there was an opportunity where the industry realized it's important to tell the diamond story and also to make it relevant for a whole new generation of consumers who haven't quite been exposed to it, but to do so in a way that's relevant to them and, you know, told through a lens that's meaningful to them. So that was the impetus for starting the DPA and to pooling um, the resources of these leading companies together to support category marketing for diamonds and to really, uh, from an advocacy perspective, be a resource for creating favorability for diamonds and, and education about diamonds and being a voice for the industry. So it's kind of two hats, a consumer hat and a B2B hat. And I was lucky enough to be introduced to the CEO and we shared that diamond dream. And I came aboard last year as the chief marketing officer. 
So this is a very new organization. I get that you met the CEO and and you connected and both shared the same dream. Is that what attracted you to take this leap? This is such an interesting kind of new thing. I would think looking at your career, it's such a fascinating shift to go into this role. Tell me a little bit about what led to that decision and a new org taking up, you know, it's, it's exciting. It is. I mean, it is a launch, right? But with a product that's a billion years old. (laughs) And I don't think marketers are often presented with the opportunity to launch a brand that is so special as diamonds and to essentially create everything from scratch um, in terms of a new marketing language, new visual identity, um, a new brand identity for diamonds. And to explain the complexity and the beauty of this industry, like literally from soup to nuts, and to be there at the inception, right? Um, Amazing. That's it's you know it just doesn't come along every day. And the campaign, the first campaign that you worked on, is called "Real is Rare, Real is a Diamond." Tell us about it, because I'm very excited to hear. Of course, I am a a major diamond lover. Well, uh, Real is Rare launched in October of last year. And today with Consumers Right, it's a battle for attention. And particularly when you're targeting an under 40 consumer who is checking their mobile phone 150 times a day was the latest stat that I heard. In a world where we're inundated with marketing messages, we're advertising fatigued, if not averse. You know, how do you break through the clutter? And in an industry, if 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 we take luxury jewelry as a whole, that is, you know, very traditional in terms of codes that are observed in marketing. And how do you break through the clutter to start a new dialogue about diamonds and not succumb to the classic fairy tale when there's where there's absolutely nothing wrong with the classic fairy tale. But if you're trying to stand out to disrupt, to gain attention and, uh, you know, basically based on a lot of research that we did, you know, there's a misnomer that millennials don't like diamonds or aren't buying diamonds, which is not true. However, the way they are marketed to is not always optimal. And I think when you have a group of individuals that appreciate authenticity, I mean, there's nothing more authentic and real and precious than a diamond, which was created over 2 billion years ago. And also in a digitally driven world, those real connections that we make with one another are increasingly rare. And the people in our lives that we choose to commit to emotionally whether that is through engagement and marriage, you know, there are there are many different types of models of relationships these days that are celebrated and that are worthy of a diamond. And we didn't want to be so restricted by tradition and convention as much as to celebrate the love versus the ritual. And that's what the campaign looked to do. So real is rare, real as in real emotions, and also real as in this diamond. It's a miracle of nature, a gift of the earth that's rare and precious and there's a reason why you choose diamonds to celebrate those moments. I 
absolutely love this whole concept. Now tell me when you're going about, so it's, it's, it's sort of like a huge undertaking, right? You're going to change a story, tell it, tell it primarily digitally is what my assumption is that you're, you're telling this story to millennials, not, you know, abandoning the, the traditional, like, okay, here's the fairy tale story that we know all about diamonds and more about the authentic connection between individuals and the the rarity of these like kind of pure authentic connections and tying that to the rarity of a diamond, I think is an incredible message that would resonate with millennials. So talk to me a little bit about some of the tactics that you use to communicate that. Did you blast that across social? Did you choose your networks based on, on certain criteria? How did you get that really smart message out there? A bunch of different ways. Um, the campaign launched with video. So um, 60s, 30s, and 15s that um, we had on TV, but predominantly um, online. And we obviously wanted to invest, you know, the, the ability to precision target on digital is important to optimize creative, you know, all of the analytics that were available to us and to really be incredibly efficient in, in our spend, particularly on our first outing to see how things performed. We were also at the very same time that the campaign was launching, we were launching all of our social channels. It literally, wow. Wow. <laughs> at the same time. And so we had to make some choices about where we were investing time and energy. And I would say through our paid media plans as well, we put a focus on native because through the three films that we had, the three assets, they're telling stories, Mm -hmm. but we thought it was also important from an inclusivity and identification perspective there are 83 million U.S. millennials, right? Um, we wanted to tell more stories, to show more real moments, more real couples, and to, you know, the, the rich canvas of love and commitment that exists today, right? Um, so we, we, with several partners, created a lot of native, whether it was editorial, video, et cetera. And I think that that was very helpful in dimensionalizing the campaign and um, helping people see themselves in it a bit. And it created an opportunity for sharing, for social conversation and the like. So in terms of where we really spent time in social, because visual is so important, I mean, Instagram has yes. is really where we invest the most of our time and energy. Twitter is, is, is good and, and Facebook from a kind of news and broadcasting perspective, um, you know, Facebook, you got to really put money against it. So when we're in campaign, it's more important than when we're not. But Instagram is an ongoing conversation (laughs) that we're having every day to really broaden the lens on what diamonds are today and what they mean today. And to, you know, we look at diamonds through a pop culture lens or pop culture through a diamond lens. (laughs) It's one or the other. Um, but we're really trying to have a lifestyle conversation about diamonds as well on our Instagram and to celebrate them, to be inspired by them, to be aspirational, to have fun, to dimensionalize diamonds and make them personal and real in an everyday kind of a way versus an unattainable kind of a way. You know, here you're basically trying to change and shape a conversation about how how millennials are talking about diamonds or really more, you know, speak to them in a way that they might be more interested. How do you measure 
the success of a campaign like this? Are you looking solely at reaching the right people? Are you looking at engagement? What are you looking at to say like, hey, this worked or it didn't? Well, our two audiences that we're really looking to connect with are under 40 consumers and probably with a bit more of an emphasis on women versus men because Mm -hmm. uh, women tend to drive the purchase of diamonds. Not shocking. We'll leave it at that. Uh, (laughs) And then really the industry as well, because, because we are a category marketing entity, what we're doing is supporting retail nationwide. Right. Mm. Um, and the whole value chain. So it's important for retailers to see how we are supporting the category. So those are our kind of two constituencies. But in terms of how we're measuring our effectiveness, we're still in growth mode. Yes. <laughs> so yes. we're still acquiring so followers. New. Yeah, so we're, new. we're just a couple of months new. Yeah. So that's important. Engagement is important. And we I think very much prioritize engagement. We're very active in the category. We respond to people that like and to quote and and quote us and share us and regram us and everything else. We're very supportive of others on Twitter in the industry. And then I think in terms of a success metric on Instagram in particular, we notice the increase of our all of our channels are at real as a diamond and then our conversation hashtag is real is rare is the growth of incidents of use of real is rare across social platforms, Ah. as well as the number of direct messages we get on our accounts from jewelers, jewelry designers, consumers, et cetera, who say, we love what you're doing. We'd love more. Thank you. I'm using this in my marketing. This is fun. This is resonating. All of that helps us know that we know we're getting it right. I think kind of our greatest emotional success story <laughs> thus far for uh, Real as a Diamond is one of the couples that we featured in a piece of native content that we did, Yes, actually um, with Refinery29, it featured real couples in different cities. We did New York, Chicago, and Austin, and one of the couples in Austin ended up, I, I happened just to be looking on Instagram one night because I'm obsessed and uh, um, I mean with Instagram and, and diamonds, um, <laughs> but I, I so saw that we were a perfect job for you, by the way, it really Instagram is, it really and diamonds. Done. <laughs> and I'm only getting more obsessed with both. So, I love it. but they, they had tagged us and they had gotten married and they oh. did a shout out to at real as a diamond for giving them the nudge and the courage to make it legal, like to take it to the next step because they were a committed couple, but they weren't married and they did a beautiful post of their wedding and, and tagged us. And then we regrammed that and congratulated them, which then they shared over. I mean, it just was the circle of love there of, of, of sharing and, and, you know, to top it all off, they were a same sex African-American couple. And I okay. think that being able, you know, with whatever's going on in the world, it was just, it was a really nice moment. <laughs> so you're changing um, the conversation around diamonds. And yes. I think, I think it's incredible and I'm so excited. Okay. So my next, my last question really was going to be to ask you what your favorite network is personally, but my guess is that it's Instagram. Do you have a, unless, unless I'm wrong, it sounds like you're really loving on Instagram right now. I do. And I just, I love the ability to have a visual conversation with people. I mean, picture is worth a thousand words. And um, I just think from a conversation, 
discovery perspective too. The creativity is is fun. I mean, it, it's shameful how much time I spend on Instagram. It is a really <laughs> fun and rewarding place. But I think you know, look, we we use it for research also. Of course, and it's such a good way to discover designers that we want to partner with events that are going on history there is an incredible incredible um channel called jewels by grace and she's a uh, a vintage jewelry she's boutique in la but she posts the most fascinating diamond content amazing <laughs> and you know the history of audrey hepburn's engagement rings from excuse me wedding rings from miguel ferrer when they got married oh. and she she was he gave her three small bands, rose, yellow, and white gold. So she was stacking rings before stacking rings was even a thing, right? She was the coolest anyway. I mean, there's a, she was right. like the style icon before all of it. So she was the original. Tricolor gold, tricolor oh, gold, and only one of the bands had diamonds. And his entire rationale was she was so extraordinarily beautiful already. He didn't want to give her anything that would detract from her beauty. But you get great stories like that. Of course um, you do. And it's and it democratizes content because a shop owner in L.A. can produce the best content more so than, you know, a huge company can sometimes. Like it really allows for content creation across the board to be accessible to all. And it's personal. Totally. Um, Love it. Yeah. So tell me, Deborah, where should people connect with you and where is the best place to follow for the DPA? So for... The campaign, it's at Real as a Diamond, and you can find us on Instagram, on Twitter, and on Facebook. Um, and then at DP Association on Twitter and Diamond Producers Association on LinkedIn. And me personally, info at diamondproducers.com. Awesome. And literally a message us on Instagram because I'm, I live there. <laughs> I love and it. Please tag us. Please tag us. We will. We will. Well, it's great talking to you, Deborah. You're one fabulous social lady, and thank you for being on the show. Thank you, Carrie. You've been listening to All the Social Ladies with Carrie Kerfin, CEO of Likeable Media. You can follow Carrie on Twitter, at Carrie Kerfin. To get current social media insights and great tips, sign up for Carrie's weekly newsletter by emailing newsletter at likeable.com. This podcast is brought to you by Likeable Media. Likeable Media produces and distributes content across the social web for mid to large size brands. Visit them at likeable.com.